morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome to Feeling the Pulse with VB Rescue. You're listening to the second episode of this brand new podcast, the podcast created by and for people in the AMS community. If you missed our first episode with Do It All Volunteer EMT Alan McBride, be sure to cue that up after this episode. I'm your host, Ricky the Blue, and I am the Public Affairs Officer for Virginia Beach EMS. Obviously, my co-host is none other than VBMS Deputy Chief Joey Hunley. Chief, how you doing today, man? I'm doing fantastic today. Thank you very much. Chief, I'm excited to play this interview for our listeners. I think you and I both really, really enjoyed this podcast. Our members come from many different backgrounds, and, and some of them are future doctors, they're future nurses, some of them are engineers, some of them are stay-at-home parents, and as you'll hear today, some of them our military veterans, and Chief, that is something you know a whole hell of a lot about. Yep. You know, I loved uh, talking with Ellen last week. Uh, I love her to death. She's good people. But uh, but Thomas and I have uh, a military connection in the Navy chief community, and, uh, you know, there's just something about uh, uh, about veterans and veterans supporting, uh, you know, the, the community outside of the military uh, that's just, just awe-inspiring for me. And, uh, yes, I am one. Uh, and, and, and I'm here because I continue to believe that public service is, is just what I'm supposed to do in life. Uh, and so I, I t- greatly look forward to, to the conversations for today. Like Chief said, today's podcast features volunteer EMT Thomas Gross. He's been with VB Rescue for more than five years, and he's built his entire life around service to others. He's an outstanding guy and a really fun interview. I've got to know him uh, a lot, actually, over the last six months since I've been here. And I think all of you will really enjoy listening to this episode. So without further ado and delay, Mr. Thomas Gross. All right, folks, we are here with Mr. Thomas Gross. We just got done introducing him. And Thomas, my introduction to you was the fact that you had saved a cop from having a really, really bad day on the job. Can you tell me exactly what the heck happened in that situation? Yeah. um, This was probably our first call of the shift. We get a call uh, for a seizure. So uh, we get there, and it's on the corner of Bird Neck and um, Norfolk Avenue down there at the oceanfront. And uh, there's a man. He's uh, sitting on the ground, and there are uh, two police officers next to him. So I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, all right, this does not look like your typical seizure, but we'll go out and we'll see what's going on. And, um, uh, yes, yeah, so I get out of the ambulance. I'm like, hey, sir, how's it going? What's going on? He's like, help, I'm dying. I'm like, all right, uh, what are you dying of? He's like, the stuff that y'all put in the air. And I'm like, all right, let's uh, try to get you checked out. And then he literally got up and uh, pushed one of the police officers and ran out in the middle of the street. Uh, my first instinct was seriously to go after this guy, but I'm like, nope, I, uh, am not a police officer and I don't have any kind of arrest authority. So no, I'm going to just sit here and make sure nothing happens. But then, uh, police officers went after him and they caught up with him right in the middle of the street. And, uh, the guy actually hit one of the police officers and he dropped to his knees. So I ran out there and I actually tackled him and, uh, yeah, we were on the ground tussling for a few minutes and I put him in the full Nelson and then uh, the other police officer handcuffed him, and we got him in the back of the Tahoe, and then about seven or eight police cars showed up afterwards. And, and Chief, I remember we were talking about this before we started recording, but you had heard a brief a brief introduction to the events. I had. I, I, I <laughs> saw something in a daily report, a shift report that I get that said something about it, and then I saw something about it posted on a Facebook page. Uh, not our Facebook page, but uh, I it was Station 14. Yeah, yeah, the Rescue Squad's Facebook page. 
And uh, and what I saw was uh, the second precinct gave Thomas a coin for a challenge coin for uh, helping him out with this guy. And I was like, huh, you know, we're both retired Navy chiefs and, of course, challenge coin. You know, it wasn't the fact that he was involved in – uh, this, you know, taking down this guy. You were that jealous was, that you I didn't was have like, the coin. I was like, yeah, I wonder what that <laughs> coin looks like. Uh, and uh, and and then and, and here we are. I learned this that there's this whole story behind it. And uh, uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, I just I was a little I was a little floored when I when I heard that the story and uh, and, and and figured it all out. So, I think I think we were all were pretty pretty floored. Thomas, you've been at at 14 now for about five plus years. Mm-hmm. Um, and like Chief just mentioned, you are a retired Navy chief. Yes. And I knew that when I got both of you in the room, this would be an excellent talking point for me where I could just kind of sit back and be quiet and let you two handle it and duke it out as former Navy chiefs would. Yeah. Um, Except we wouldn't duke it out. Hoo-yah, Navy chief. Hoo-yah. Right? That's what I'm talking about. I have no idea what that means. That's exactly right. You don't need to. But well, I, I, wanted to start the, I wanted to start the pod by talking about your father and the influence that he was on you. Mm. And... Because you, your entire life has been dedicated to serving others, whether it be a volunteer service like what you're doing now, being in the armed services, you're helping others, you're putting yourself out there and doing what you can to help others have a good day and, and make their lives better. And that really started with your dad. Tell me about that. Yeah, so my dad started off uh, with the Baltimore City Police Department, um, and then we moved to a small town on the eastern shore part of Maryland, uh, Chestertown. Um, he still continued a career with the law enforcement. Uh, he was a sheriff, went in, uh, worked for the state police for a while as well. So in addition to all that, um, he was still a dad, and uh, he worked with the uh, rescue squad where I'm from, which is a very small uh, squad. It's uh, nothing like what we have here. Um, he was a town councilman as well. He was the actual first black town councilman in the, uh, the actual town there. But um, basically, you know, uh, yeah, he was just always helping people, and that's how I got my drive. I actually wanted to help people. I actually saw the impact and influence he was making, so that's actually what I wanted to do as well. And that got you interested in joining a squad, but tell us exactly what your first experience was at Station 14 and what made you decide, all right, I'm in. Yeah, so the the actual first time I um, I actually showed up to the station, uh, paramedic Brett Johnson at the time, she was there. Uh, she's actually the chief here now, but um, yeah, she was there. She was telling me about the ambulance. She was telling me about different things. She might not even remember because it was been so long ago. But anyways, uh, she actually put me in touch with the proper people there, and um, I scheduled my first ride along. Uh, so they said, hey, be at the station at uh, about 5.30, so of course me being in the military, I'm like, cool, I'm going to show up here at 5 o'clock, and I remember I was actually just hanging out, uh, sitting on the couch, and I see the back door open up, and I see a, a woman come in, and she just had a bikini on, so I just look, and I'm like, this is the station I need to be at, um, I, I forgot why I was even here, but this is why I need to be here, and uh, she actually, that girl that was, you know, coming through the door in that bikini, happens to now be a really good friend of mine. Um, her name is Haley Reed. I found out she was coming in with a bikini on, not to see me, but uh, she was coming in because she just got off work at the, uh, down there at the oceanfront. She was a lifeguard, but just somebody just, you know, being with her and just, you know, you know, she's a lifeguard. She went from a basic 
to an advanced to an intermediate to a paramedic and you know now she's an actual pa that just goes to show you that you know people here they are they definitely take care of business you know they get in here get this training for free and then they go out and they actually go do other things and i mean she's you know changing lives every day and i mean you know she's a really good friend of mine and chief we talk about all the time what's the what's the thing that makes you hit the button right like we talk about things that you know get people interested in EMS, but one of the conversations that we have often is what makes people hit that button. Right. And for Thomas, it was seeing, it yeah, was seeing, it, was, uh, it was seeing someone walk into yeah. the station with a bikini. I think we established he joined the Navy because of girls, uh, and clearly he joined the rescue squad because of girls. Uh, and I, I don't know that girls are what's keeping him in the rescue squad, but uh, but uh, whatever the motivation for folks to come in. We will certainly, uh, we will certainly take you uh, and get you trained and 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 squared away. So that's that's and make sure your awesome. motivations are something a bit more normal. Right, right. <laughs> Whether right, it's right. it's helping the right, good the good citizens right. of Virginia Beach, yeah, helping the tourists down at the oceanfront. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say <laughs> Brett Johnson will vouch and say that uh, uh, that she uh, that she has recruited a good guy uh, into our system here. So uh, well done, Brett. You yes. chief were a master chief. Right. And Thomas, you are a retired chief. Yes. And this is the point of conversation where I sit down and shut up because you guys have way more in common than I can even pretend to fathom. Well, yes, but I'm interested in what got you, what, how do you bridge military service to public service back? So back to your dad, your dad did all of that. You got into the Navy what got you back into public service, into into this kind of public service? Yeah, so one thing my dad always told me, uh, before he used to pull anybody over, before he would even give out a ticket, basically um, he wouldn't even stop anybody unless they were doing at least 15 miles over because pretty much otherwise it's a complete waste of time. But one thing he said to me that actually sticks out was um, you never know when you're going to need some piece of information from somebody and you never know when you're going to need some help from somebody. So you always want to do the right thing even when nobody's looking. Um, so that's what he did. Uh, he didn't get paid to go volunteer, to go do any of this stuff. Um, so I'm like, you know what, that's a really good idea. Not to mention, um, it actually gives your kids something to actually think about. Like, you know what, Great. it's okay to actually do something and not expect to get anything in return. <clears throat> Sorry. Uh, so it's okay to do something and not get absolutely anything in return um you know i've got uh kids they actually love coming to the rescue squad you know uh washing ambulances and whatnot but pretty much it's just that self-pride and that self-service you get so hmm. what do you guys think because veterans are littered throughout our our organization right vb rescue has hundreds of veterans whether they be support members career mm -hmm. side volunteers they're everywhere what <laughs> is it about public safety, public health, that kind of draws in folks that have been in the armed forces? So I almost feel like you have almost a military structure here, kind of, because, you know, you've got your chief, you have your brigade chiefs, division chiefs, things of that nature. Um, so it's almost structured like the military, but not really. But at the same time, though, uh, you have a lot of buy-in here compared to in the military it's like hey i'm just a volunteer but uh your voice gets heard 
in the military, hey, I'm an airman. Okay, you're not going to go walking into a senior chief's office or a master chief's office and tell them, hey, this is what needs to be done because otherwise you're – that's going to be a different conversation. I um, do that now to Chief Hundley, and then he laughs me out. <laughs> but, yeah, um, with, uh, with that being said, I really do think they are very similar because they all kind of have one thing in common. It's about taking care of somebody or doing something for somebody other than yourself. There you go. That's, that's my piece is – a military member um, is already already understands the concept of sacrifice and service, and um, you know it is the place where you sign on the dotted line in the beginning, saying I am willing to give my life for the cause, whatever the cause is, right? Um, uh, and and so you already understand conceptually. Um, the life of service and and you know uh, servant leadership type type stuff is is big, and so um, it just is a natural bridge. And yeah, you're right, right. The the uh, the public safety sectors, uh, police, fire, and EMS are 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 structured from a paramilitary type organization. You know, we everybody says that. I always laugh at them because they say they're paramilitary and then they do things that are totally contradictory to to being a paramilitary organization. Um, so we're really paramilitary, paramilitary in structure only for a lot of things that we do. But it's it's something that we, uh, from a military perspective, can easily identify with and 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 slide right into. Um, it's kind of like scouts, right? If you're if you're a Boy Scout or a Girl Scout, uh, you you go anywhere in the in the world where there's a scout troop or or patrol or or whatever it is. And you know that you're going to be able to fit in right up front. And so it's very similar with public safety. There's a structure. Uh, there's training and education to get where you need to be. And then there's a mission. And military people understand mission and the mindset that is associated with mission. And so it's just a very easy uh, transition. Not to mention, um, you know, right, wrong, or indifferent, uh, there, at least in the Navy, right, there is, there's an advantage uh, from a promotional perspective for uh, sailors specifically that volunteer there's a there's an, an award they can earn that counts towards promotion points for promotion and and so um, it's just it's, it's it's another another piece and um, you know society when they want changes uh, change happens in the military before uh, typically it, it, it will it will you will see pushes in society they're just held to a higher standard and so um, uh, it's just a natural transition for F4. I'm glad you mentioned the Scouts because I was a member of the Scouts. I did Cub Scouts growing up. I did Boy Scouts probably until about midway through high school. Mm-hmm. And you, you mentioned kind of that, that dedication to service mm-hmm. and helping others. That's the same kind of thing that I remember hearing about in the Scouts when I was eight, nine years old. Mm-hmm. And I, I really I think you're right that it it kind of transcends a lot of different industries and realms that that kind of dedication and feeling because you really do see it across a lot of different a lot of different interests a lot of different hobbies a lot of different lines of work um and i think that's one of the reasons why we have a base of volunteers and providers that come from so many different backgrounds right whether it be engineers or nurses doctors veterans stay-at-home moms teachers like there really isn't a a cap on the kinds of or the line of work that you do normally right and your 
you know, chances of becoming or wanting to be a part of the system. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, it's hard sometimes to figure out what draws people into wanting to do this. Um, and, uh, you know, for me, it was, uh, I actually was in the rescue squad in, in high school as a, as a junior rescue squad member. Um, but uh, I was, I did that because um, I live with my grandparents predominantly growing up and, uh, or at least I stayed with them a lot. And uh, we lived at the bottom of a hill uh, and, the, and at the bottom of the hill, the, the road was right there and it was literally a NASCAR turn at the bottom of the hill. You come down the hill, uh, there was a curve with an embankment that went one way and then in the middle of the curve it changed and then it t- went up around the curve and back up the hill. And, that sounds uh, like fun. Well, for all of the <laughs> folks that I watched not be able to make the turn and instead did the Dukes of Hazard jump with their car uh, and the number of times the rescue squad showed up, it was just something that, as a kid I was like, I mean, it sucked for the people that got hurt, but you're just mesmerized by watching all of the the stuff all of the right, response that happens yeah. and um and so uh as soon as i was old enough to join i went and, and joined the local rescue squad and i got my first responder certification uh and then uh, i just knew i left for the navy i left it i was 17 when i left for the navy you know right out of high school and um and i went to uh school and i went to my first submarine and uh and then I transferred to Norfolk, and I knew there was a volunteer rescue squad system in Norfolk or in Virginia Beach. So I had already done the research to know what was there. And so when I got back into the area uh, or got to the area, um, I went and found the closest rescue squad to where I lived, you know. And uh, and then I did some more research to figure out how to get into the system, and, and I got into the system. And I actually used my Navy tuition assistance uh, to get me through um, uh, through. EMT school and paramedic school instead of, you know, using the free training, the, the, the Virginia Beach EMS system offered free training uh, for EMTs back then. I just, I just didn't use it. Um, and then once I got certified as a paramedic, the Navy was like, we will keep you current because there's only one submarine corpsman on, on a submarine, one, one, one independent duty corpsman on a submarine. And, uh, and so you just have a skill set. Uh, and uh, I mean, I, you know, I just got hooked to um, not not the adrenaline, which I think is what tends to draw people in, um, but once you get into the system, and I don't know, Thomas, what your experiences are, but once they got into the system, just the camaraderie and 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 the engagement and the things that you did, and um, and you know, just being able to help people. I mean, you, you know, we we go into people's houses on their worst day, and they they open the doors and they say, "Please come in and help me." Almost right? every time, one of our providers shows up. The person you're you're attending to is having one of the worst days of their life. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe the worst. Absolutely. And it takes a certain mindset to be able to handle that. It does. It does. I mean, I, Thomas, I don't no know. judgment or anything like that. I mean, though, just like he said, you're actually coming there. You're there to basically go in there, do the job, take care of this person, and get them the help that they need. Um, when I first started here... I can remember I actually moved to a house on um, down off America's Avenue, actually, and uh, right down the street from me is Station 14. So I'm like, you know, let me go down here and see what's going on. So I remember uh, going in there, and at the time, uh, paramedic Brett Johnson was uh, sitting on the couch, and, you know, she was the one who was actually explaining to me about all this stuff, you know, basically, you know, what they do here and this and that. And I'm like, all right, well, you know, where do I need to go to? And she actually pointed me in the right direction. So um, 
my first ride-along shift, they told me, hey, you know, uh, go ahead and, you know, be here at the station at 530. Of course, someone in the military, I was there at 5 o'clock. Right. <laughs> I'm uh, just... Cause. Yeah. Early is... To be early right. is to be on time. Uh-huh. To and be on time, time is, is to be late. Right. And right. to be late is unacceptable. There you go. See, I go. wasn't even yeah. a military brat and I know There that. you go. That's yeah. right. <laughs> so uh, so you're, you're an EMT with the system. Yes. And... Um, do you have any desires to? Are you? Are you? Do you intend to try to move forward and do anything different from from the EMS perspective? Yeah. So actually, I was in. Uh, so I started off in paramedic school, and um, I was in paramedic school. I started in August, so I finished the first uh, two semesters, and then we got to the third semester, and then COVID started really ramping up, and they put the military on restriction. So because I actually work for the government. I had to follow those restrictions, right. so I had to leave. And the uh, we had just finished pharmacology, which was a tough class, but thankfully I don't have to repeat that again because I passed it. <laughs> uh, we had just finished that up, and then COVID happened. And my actual cohort that I was in, cohort eight, they actually just graduated, so I'm in the process of trying to get everything started back up to just go finish the last two semesters I've got. Well, that's fantastic. Yeah. Well, and that's another great thing about, you know, this system, you know, as you pointed out there with Haley, where we've got, you know, we, we, we grow folks and, and they come in and, and, you know, whatever reason they start is why they start, but that then, they, then they get into the system and there, and there are so many doors of opportunities that are open for them. And, and uh, we've got a lot of people that, you know, that come in and, and they just want to do this one thing and they get in and they see the opportunities and then they're like, okay, I want to go do this. And, 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 and there's, there's life changes and, and, and directions. And, and, and I mean, we've got, we've got doctors and physicians assistants and nurses and nurse practitioners. And I mean, you can go on and on and on and on and on over at least the time that I've been in the system uh, with all of those folks. And so I'm excited to hear that you're, um, that you're, you're going to, you're going to finish that oh, up. Yeah, I am. Uh, yeah, because, you know, j- uh, there's a doctor, uh, Dr. Cliff uh, Cutchins. Cliff Cutchins. Cliff Cutchins. Yep. I can't tell you how many times at 1 in the morning I've gotten in his Facebook inbox and be like, hey, doctor, you know, we learned this about paramedic school. You know, what does this mean? He'll get back to you. He'll have a full-blown conversation with you. And then when you see him, he'll be like, so you remember what we talked about? This is what we're talking about. This is why this is happening. Because it's not like, hey. This is what we talked about, but, you know, he actually explains the who, what, when, where, how, and why, and that will give you a better understanding. But, yeah, just being here, you know, you've got access to different kinds of things. So back where I'm from, that was a volunteer rescue squad, but that was completely different. Basically, they had this big siren in the county, (laughs) and once that siren went off, then people would actually respond to the station, and then they would actually jump on the truck and go. By that time, you know, I'm hoping... Whatever happened, that person's going to be okay because you were at least about 20 or 30 minutes before something happened. Here, you know, it's completely night and day here. I mean, you, know, you have doctors on the streets, you have paramedics on the streets, you have just so much access to all these things. You have all these fire engines that show up, even the police. You know, some of those police officers, they've actually worked with the rescue squad. So, I mean, everybody here, they just always pitch in to help people out. And that's the part of being in, in such, this, uh, such a unique system is because of the call volume that we handle and also how big the city is yeah, in terms of just square mileage. Yeah, I think we're on track to be over 50, at least over 50, maybe 52,000 calls this year. I believe it. Um, which would be a high. Right, right which that, that would be the high. And, and that number has gone up. Every year, except and, except for 2020. It went down a little bit with COVID. But. Yeah, and, and, and it's the 
the constant needing to adapt right. to to meet bigger demands. And right. it's the system has found a way to do that over the last 15 plus years about as Virginia Beach has grown and grown and grown. I mean, even when I was a kid and I'm 27, when I was a kid, this city is not the same as it was back then. He says when he was a kid. Uh, so, so yeah, uh, it's not the same. I mean, I remember in, you know, when I joined this system in 1990-something, six, uh, late 96, two. you were two. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, I think we were probably doing, I don't know, maybe 30,000 calls a year back then. Um, Which and, is more than most of the surrounding oh, absolutely. municipalities. Absolutely. It absolutely is. And, you know, now we've grown to, I mean, the meeting I was at before we started recording today is we're talking about expanding protocols again for advanced uh, advanced EMT providers and and uh, and adding some things uh, in their toolbox that they can do for patient care. Um, and, uh, you know, and it's all good stuff. I mean, we are truly a, um, um, we, we say that we're a premier EMS service, and I think that we, uh, that we, continue to to think and move in that direction uh, to make sure that we are, in fact, a premier EMS service that's providing um, top quality patient care, and we're making sure uh, that our providers have the tools that they need in their boxes to, to provide that, that patient care. So um, it's, you know, it's just a, it's a good system to be part of, I think. And, but and I'm, I'm, I guess I'm jaded. I'm, I am the deputy chief. <laughs> Well, and part of it is, and this was something that I didn't learn until I got here, was that the training's free if you stick with the system. Yep, free training through EMT, and in fact, we and do give scholarships for paramedics uh, annually as well. So so not only do you get a chance to basically get the most in-detail, in in-depth internship in a medical field that you could think of, but you don't have to pay anything to do it. Right, just <laughs> and, give us and, some time. And, and you took advantage of that, Thomas. You were Academy 17, yes. right? So, so many people follow that route every single year. And, and like Chief was mentioning, they take that and they go, they, they work hard, they bust their ass with the system for several years, they move on to, to other things, and it's it, it not only benefits us, but it benefits them as well. And that's kind of the, the broader training mission for the department is not just to benefit training for our system, but also to give folks the tools they need for that professional development that everyone's seeking. Yeah, I mean, and if you don't have that skill set already, you can get it here. Right, and and that's uh, you know that's what we 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 are constantly pushing that uh, that out there that it's it's free training. Uh, we do our own in house. We've got instructors in house. We've got fantastic training equipment in house. You know, I don't know. So Academy Seventeen, gosh, how that was how well five years ago, I guess. Right, been in the mm-hmm. five years, so. Uh, I mean, we've got a. An, did we have the ambulance inside downstairs when you came through? So we were at the uh, we were at the Burdenneck Fire Fire Training yeah, Center. We we're over there, and uh, the instructor was Karin uh, Pettinger, and um, I can remember for graduation. Much, yeah, <laughs> oh yeah, and um, I can remember telling him like Karin for graduation. I don't want no handshake. I'm gonna give you a hug. I'm gonna pick you up and give you a handshake. You better not. <laughs> sure enough, they called my name up there, and I went up there, and all you saw was little feet dangling because I. <laughs> So, so note, let's uh, note that that's um, you know, and uh, Karn will hate me when I say this, but that's uh, you know, that's four foot eleven <laughs> inches tall, Karn Pettinger with six foot five, six six, six six Thomas here. So, uh, um, 
In fact, it's funny because uh, I don't know. You know, last night on ABC they did the live. Uh, uh, I don't know. It was just like an episode. It was a tribute to uh, uh, the facts of life and different strokes. Oh, really? Okay. And so, uh, in one of the scenes, Kevin Hart plays uh, plays um, uh, Little Arnold. Yeah. And uh, John Lithgow is playing Mr. Drummond, and uh, and you know. Kevin Hart is, you know, like five foot tall, right? And and John Lithgow's like six foot three. And in one of the scenes, Kevin Hart stands up in a chair and he's yelling at Damon Wayans, who's playing Willis. And uh, and Mr. Drummond just comes over and picks him up and just walks right across, the, you know. And so there you got Kevin Hart's oh, little yeah. feet dangling, so I can so totally see Karen yeah. hanging up in the air. Oh yeah. And, and staying on the skills part of the conversation, one of the things you mentioned to me, Thomas, was. You wanted to have the skills necessary to make sure you could take care of, of your children. Mm-hmm. And in case there was ever an emergency at the house, you felt completely prepared to handle it. I did. Um, yeah. And uh, there was actually, um, we got out of the academy, I want to say it was in uh, 2017. And uh, shortly after, I kid you not, I, I just, uh, I was down at the oceanfront. And I was making a turn onto 18th Street, and this is in broad daylight. Uh, pretty, much, I mean, all these police officers are showing up, and they get out, and they actually hold this guy at gunpoint. And I'm like, "What are they over there doing?" So of course, I'm gonna just sit there and watch. I'm like, "I wonder what they're gonna do." And um, you didn't go see. Yeah. And uh, you know, sure enough, the guy actually took a box cutter and uh, cut his neck. And then you know, pretty much the guy oh, just dropped. Uh, so I actually showed up over there, and I'm like, "Hey, do you mind if I um, help out with that?" And they actually you know, basically, hey, please go help. So I'm like, all right, I'm not too long out of the academy, but pretty much I had gone over there, I applied direct pressure to his neck, I actually kept him calm the entire time, and um, a crew showed up maybe about seven or eight minutes later, because I mean, that that time of the day, there were people all over the city, I mean, it was bad, but uh, yeah, you know, there was a crew showed up, and they took him to uh, Beach General Hospital, and he was in the emergency room, I heard, for about 12 minutes, and then they uh, took him to the OR, and yeah, the guy made it. But yeah, I mean, that was the first time I've ever seen somebody even do something like that. But I'm like, all right, I don't even know what I'm going to do, but I'm going to get up there and do something. And sure enough, his T-shirt was soaked in blood. But I mean, it definitely helped out a lot. Like that probably was what saved his life with the direct pressure. And, and that goes back awesome. to the instincts of veterans, I feel like. Uh, yeah, you, uh, you're 100% you guys, on. You, you guys see something and you don't just stand there. Right, yeah. right. Yeah, I mean... Well, and I guess that, you know, leads me to a question. What kind of training did you have in the Navy? I know you you said you worked on airplanes for a little bit. I will. I know I've already said that I'm a submariner, mm-hmm. uh, and I know people will be like, submariner, submariner. Just for the record, there are more airplanes in the in the ocean than there are submarines in the sky. <laughs> so um, if anybody's, you know, thinks that it's crazy Chief, to be on a submarine. Chief's got to get his digs I'm in. Just, I'm just saying. I'm just saying for the record, right? It's the meme. Prove me wrong, right? <laughs> I don't think you can. Um, but what what kind of uh, what kind of training uh, did you have, or did you have any training in the Navy? I know you did the airplane thing, and then you went into the to the spec war community there. Uh, did any of that help you be better prepared coming into the the EMS system? So to be honest with you, there's a lot of things. Uh, basically, the attention to detail. Um, so I know you, I actually talk to you often. So if, you know, one day me and you were actually talking, I'm like, you know what, something's not right with him, something's off. 
you're going to take notes of that. You're like, you know what, maybe we might need to get you looked at, you know, some kind of further evaluation type deal or whatnot. That's the same way I talk to patients. If, if someone tells me, yeah, this person has not been acting like themselves, this and that, something's wrong with them, you know, sometimes you have to take that at face value. But there's a whole lot of the stuff that you do active duty that you really don't even realize it's the same thing here. Like, I mean, you know, just basically showing up for work on time and early. It's like, you know, you don't want to show up at like 545 and that crew, they just now take a call in the Kempsville side of the city. And it's like, well, they belong in the oceanfront and they just took this call and now they're going to get off past shift or whatnot. So pretty much it's all about, you know, the attention to detail. You know, you want to actually... Uh, you know, be active. You want to basically um, just kind of treat somebody how you would want to be treated. So with all that being said, a whole lot of those skills came from the military. Um, as far as first aid type stuff, I mean, yeah, you know how to basically, hey, uh, you know, stop bleeding, control bleeding, things of that nature. But, you know, you don't really know what to do for cardiac arrest except, hey, um, push on someone's chest and go get an AED and call 911. Like, you don't really know the what's or the why or, you know, does this person need oxygen? Do they need epi? Like, there's or just proper so many technique. things. Yeah, yeah, exactly. A lot of people know that you're pressing on the chest, but they don't know that right. there's an actual, exactly. an actual right. way to do it, which the, one of the first things I learned when I got here to Virginia Beach EMS was staying alive by the Bee Gees. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Obviously, I've heard the song. My dad was a big classic rock guy, but that has been ingrained deep into my skull now that if ever I need to perform CPR, That's right. I just need to hit play on that song in my head. And you're good. That's a fact. <laughs> oh, yeah. That is a fact. I, I've heard there's some other songs that, that match the same rhythm, but none of them were quite as good, apparently, no, there's another one that, There's another one that's got a similar name, but it totally escapes me right now. It's, it's another one of those... Uh, is it a Queen song? Gosh, I'll think of it when I'm not trying to think of it. Maybe <laughs> in the it, next podcast it'll as, hit me and I'll be like, oh. Yeah. As soon as we press the record button to end yeah. this thing, it'll come to mind. I'll be like, start the recording again, Ricky. I remember <laughs> the song now. Yeah, yeah. So, you, um, so you, you've been at Rescue 14 mm-hmm. uh, for five years, and, um, I, and I, I don't have Ricky's questions in front of me, but I, I know one of the things that, that we were going to talk about was, was your partner. And so... Um, Talk to us about, you know, that relationship and, and, and just the relationship or the atmosphere uh, in your station with your people. Yeah, so uh, so my partner, I've been running with him now for a few years. Um, David He's Monty. a retired captain. Yeah, retired captain. He's not getting anything from this. Um, he does the same thing I do. Uh, met him in my academy, and we really didn't associate in the academy because, you know, David had his little study group. I had mine. So he's a retired Navy captain. He is. And so he's a good retired Navy captain if he knows that he has a good chief petty officer that's yeah. going to that's gonna take go. care of him. Got exactly. it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. But, yeah, so, um, you know, David's a good guy. He would give the shirt off his back for anybody, just like probably all the people I know at Station 14 because I don't think anybody's on the payroll there. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, David, he's an awesome guy. Um, I've known him. Since the academy, and uh, we started to run together. I mean, there's things now to where it's like, all right, uh, we're going to show up for a call. There are things David's doing he doesn't even have to talk to me about because I already know he's doing that, so I'm going to do something else. And that just makes things go smooth, especially for a pretty chaotic scene. It's like, all right, 
you know, this is going on, this is going on. David can multitask, get this done, you know, be on the radio. I can be over here doing this, trying to do patient care, do this, do that. Like, there's just so much that's done, but nothing really has to be said because we've just have that bond. Like, we've you guys have that rapport yeah. that, that, that so many members like to be able to build. Yeah. With their with their partners in the field, and I can only imagine that, that building that trust and rapport takes a lot of time, because all of the calls that you see are different, and yep. learning how and and what each person is thinking in each of those calls probably takes a lot of time. Well, and that's actually why we we want more members, right? We want mm-hmm. folks to be able to um, uh, to get to a, a point where you can have one or two or three people that you routinely ride with, so that you can learn each other and not uh you, you know you're not having to explain a lot i mean we we, we got to teach right we're a teaching organization uh as well uh and so we want folks out here to be learning uh and 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 um you know being involved and engaged but absolutely uh you know when you've got some folks that you just kind of click with and honestly i think that goes back to to the military component right i mean um thomas and i have actually never physically met each other or talked to each other before before we started recording this podcast but uh, as soon as i told you that he was retired navy right you right. automatically knew that there was a connection right. that you guys would have with each other right yeah. and so that's certainly uh, a, a benefit from you know a, a, a veteran perspective or a military perspective uh i mean you know, and that's not to discount those that are not, uh, but it just—it's just another another bond. It's a set of shared experiences, it is. and right. you, you guys went through similar training. You guys went through similar experiences. Yeah. So and that, quite frankly, anytime we can tell an officer what to do, um, yeah. it, it's <laughs> that's lovely. It's great for us, right? Yeah. So is that just like an internal like? It is. It's a you know, it's an inside joke, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where you're like, uh, yeah, yeah. So. Anyways, I digress. That's just like the lady downstairs here, uh, Christina Minkwich, actually. Um, I think With she was Sam down Bridge. there, yep. uh, you know, training uh, a couple brand new EMTs. She was actually in my academy, too. I never knew her or anything like that, but, I mean, I met her in the academy, ran up to her, and I gave her a big old hug. Like, I mean, that's... Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the kind of bond that's here. Before we wrap this up, I wanted to talk about your experience with open doors because that just kind of falls in line with your your dedication to serving others tell me a little bit about what you've done for them and why um that being being affiliated with that organization is so important to you oh yeah there uh so there's a good friend of mine uh i went to high school with her uh julie rice um i don't think anybody would uh actually wish this on anybody but um she got married and then uh she got pregnant and actually had triplets um so she was definitely telling me all the horror stories about hey this kid got into coffee beans this one's eating my birth control this one's doing this this one's doing that and mine like, got into adderall sorry for you oh man <laughs> yeah um so as her kids got older, she got some. Uh, she she kind of got some time on her hands, and uh, her and two other people, they actually started a nonprofit that actually uh, helps kids who are in like uh, what first and second grade, who are below average and um, uh, basically you know uh, reading and math and things like that, and they actually tutor them, 
and they actually get them to a very acceptable category to where, you know, now they're able to pass their classes and they're able to actually go out and they're able to comprehend a lot more. And they're back on they're back on track. They are. Yeah, they are. They are definitely back on track because of her and those other two people. So basically what I do is I try to support them financially uh, pretty much any chance I get. Uh, I have a part-time job that allows me to uh, sell houses for people. Um, so any commission check that I receive, I will actually take a good portion of that and put it uh, towards her actual uh, scholarship. And pretty much, yeah, I, I definitely like doing that. Man, there is no time like the present for something like that to be going on as well. I mean, yeah. I've got a, my daughter's a, a junior um, at, at Ocean Lakes, and and uh, I know uh, you know they're talking about looking at uh, I think they were talking about giving uh, a, a standardized test or a test to the schools this year to figure out truly how far behind a year of homeschooling every kid in the you know country or at least here yeah, uh, uh, put a, how far behind it put them and and so having a program like that that actually helps to, to try to keep kids yeah um, especially at a young age like that where those are key key years oh yeah so what else do you do so you um, are you still active duty? No. You retired? Uh, yep, so I retired. I, uh, I actually work for the government, and um, I am a real estate agent. Um, and I also have a couple uh, properties that I have. And basically, I just like to do stuff with the kids. And, yeah. Um, I've got a girlfriend. Um, we try to travel. We also try to just, you know, get time together as well. So Yeah. yeah. And you're able to fit all of that in, including, uh, including giving us some volunteer time. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. That's... Um, yeah, it's, you know, people ask, how, how in the world do you do it and this and that? And it's like, to be honest with you, I really don't know how I do it, but I do have a job that sometimes allows me to telework, so it's really not as bad as, you know, most people think. And to be honest right. with you, it's four 12-hour shifts, and you can kind of plan for it, um, you know, and things do pop up, and, you know, that that is something here that's good. You know, people will, hey, I've got this going on. Can anybody cover my shift? I've actually seen it. To where, you know, people trade, they, you know, hey, I can't do this shift, so I'll swap and things like that. So. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. That's totally awesome. And that, and that's one of the, I think, the take-homes for, for a lot of folks that are listening that aren't volunteering yet is that you can do everything that you want and still give time to the city and the people that need it. And you yeah. can still be a part of a system that is probably the most unique system in the country I think as far as as far as I'm aware in the sense that we we have such a, a history in the volunteer system and we've adapted and grown to fit those demands and we still have such a thriving volunteer component to the system and all the service is free right yeah and and and, and, and a lot of people I think forget about that because something I always hear is that you know ambulance rides are expensive Right. Yeah. No. It's not in Virginia Beach. They're right, not. <laughs> right. In fact, if you're a city employee, Optima says they cover 100 percent of your ambulance costs. Really? Because they're free. That's some free. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but no. I mean, I it. It. Yeah. No. It's all right. You're. You're an Eric guy. I understand. That. <laughs> right. Uh, submariners are smarter. It's okay. Um, so. So uh, this was the kind of banter, folks, that I had <laughs> I had hoped for <laughs> when when I got you two in a room together, and I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to Chief Hundley going back and forth with other veterans oh, yeah. in our system. So I didn't and, and, and Thomas, you'll be back. This is not going to be your last appearance. We will eventually bring you back. That's good. And when you do come back, I'm going to have you ready so that way you can give some back to Chief oh, Hundley. Yeah. yeah, I wouldn't mind. Well, it's all good. I'm I'm standing by. 
standing by. You want to close us out? Yeah, that'll be it for us here on Filling the Pulse. Uh, if you are listening and you're not a volunteer, you need to go to vbems.com slash join. Again, vbems.com slash join. There is a giant join button on there. You hit that thing, it's going to take you right to the portal, create your application there. No experience required. Training is free as long as you stick with the system after you are released. Again, vbems.com. Thomas, thank you, man. You've been a great guy to know in my six-plus months here with EMS. I appreciate you coming on, and I'm really looking forward to uh, having you back soon. I definitely appreciate the invite. Thank you, and Chief Helmley, thank you. you. Thank you, man. Good to talk. All right, folks, we'll be back here in just a few days. We'll have another guest for you. Until then, 